another interesting story was uh, a pro motorcyclist who had an accident and damaged his ribcage. And he specifically said that he just felt so lost after being discharged from surgery because the nurses were no longer there, right? Nobody's going to tell him when he should be taking your medications or what you should be looking out for. Nobody's going to answer you under, I don't know, a couple minutes. And so when he's at home, he's going to have to shoulder all that responsibility. And it's very intimidating. Akash is a student at Harvard University and co-founder and CTO of PatCare. Akash works on MIT's cybersecurity team and was an intern at NASA and Rex. He's also the co-president of Harvard's undergraduate robotics team, and in his spare time, he enjoys astrophotography. Regina is a recent graduate from Mercer University and is the co-founder and COO of PatCare. She was a medical assistant for three years and has almost over a decade of experience in restaurant operations and management. Regina enjoys writing, gardening, and mentoring first-generation students. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how y'all came together to create PatCare? A little bit about myself. I'm currently a student at Harvard, so I'm still in school. Regina is a recent graduate, and uh, we both met each other actually on the COVID visualization team. So this all kind of started with the pandemic. One day, Regina is just like, hey, Akash, a mutual friend of ours, Lucas, who like runs CVT. She was just like, we kind of have like this project that we're working on. And we're wondering if you can build like an app for us. And I was just like, oh, damn. I guess I was being invited to be a co-founder at the time. Like Akash said, it was during COVID. So I never imagined, you know, because COVID just shut down universities. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's the end of my university. And, and what am I going to do afterwards during this period? And so it was pretty miraculous how it all came together. You know, uh, the medical student, Andrew, who's in the UK, came to me and he was like, you know, I've actually seen a lot of patients within the hospital that I work with kind of say that they don't know how to maximize their care at home without the nurses after their discharge from uh, surgery. And for me personally, being a medical assistant, and I've seen a lot of patients undergo that pre-lab as well, right? They have difficulty in terms of making sure that they're fasting, for example, before they do an ad. And it's because oftentimes they're too busy, right, within their day and they just forget. That just leads to the clinics having to rebook the appointment, the patient having to go back home and finding another time to come into the clinic. So in terms of that aspect, we really wanted to help from the patient's perspective and decrease that burden that they're feeling, the hopelessness that they're feeling, right? I'm also coming from a patient standpoint where I previously had to do endoscopy and I too went through the surgical journey, was in the hospital. I remember after endoscopy, I was actually eating a plate of spaghetti because I was just so hungry. And the surgeon coming in when she was checking in, she said, you're not supposed to eat acidic based foods. <laughs> I, I just stood there in surprise. And I was like, well, I wasn't told that. So, you know, given all these perspectives, we thought that it would definitely be beneficial for both the provider and the patients to have such an app. And so I, you know, after doing market research, 
we did found that there was a market need for it. And I essentially assembled the team by reaching out to Akash and Tom, who's our CDO and co-founder as well. And, you know, them having seen loved ones or friends going through the surgery, they felt drawn to the mission as well. So when you say you're creating an app, can you guys break that down a little bit? Like what is digital health experience? So first I'll start off with what it is right now and then what we want it to be. Right now, when you like go to the hospital, right? Suppose you got admitted for like a torn ACL or something like that, right? Maybe there'll be a follow-up through an email or something like that. Or in telemedicine, somebody will call you and be like, okay, after the surgery, here's what you need to do. Um, Maybe we have some we'll book some PT appointments or something like that. That's usually what like the current experience is, right? So you're, you're kind of just sitting there at home waiting for an email or waiting for some message notification to come in saying that, oh, by the way, we do recognize that you had some surgery and uh, we just wanted to check, are you alive? Are you doing okay? That's kind of what it is right now. And it's kind of stupid because like, I think doctors can do a little bit more than an email and a call at some time. And I definitely think that patients want more than an email and a call. So what we want to do is as you know, we're transitioning more to internet-based, web-based and tech-based solutions for problems, um, we want to provide a better experience for patients in the ingoing and outgoing process for surgery. So what that digital health process looks like is reminders, educational videos, and like information guides, essentially. But we don't want to just hand the patient a packet as they leave out the door in a hospital and be like, read this, don't lose it. If you do, it sucks for you. And like, you're going to get some post-op complication, like that would suck, right? So instead, what we want to do is have some sort of app that's there that can like remind them to do certain things that can check up on them if they're they need something that they can respond to if they want to you know complain about something maybe something went wrong you know what I mean maybe they're getting pain in a place they're not supposed to they should be able to say that they shouldn't have to wait for that doctor's phone call to come in they shouldn't have to figure out where they have to call to do that it should be pretty straightforward a direct access kind of thing improving patient and doctor communication is the the main aspect essentially and digital health right now. And then the other thing that we want to do is educate the patient. I mean, a lot of people are just confused, right? Like they're going to do just like read through a packet, like the whole time, like we barely finish our college essay readings, you know what I mean? Like, like most people don't have time to worry about like reading through like 20 pages of a packet, they don't need to be an expert, they should get like a basic rundown of everything, because many people are really busy with their lives. And the busiest people shouldn't be punished for not being able to read through all the things that they have to do. So kind of having like a Duolingo style, like educational approach where you kind of have like the main points kind of in not paragraph college, like academia research paper, like way would probably help the patients in understanding what they should actually be doing rather than like intimidating them with a bunch of text. So that's kind of what we're aiming for in digital health reminders helping people understand the process, being there for them when they need to, us to be there for them and doing a little bit more than just a call and an email. So you're using this app to essentially increase like medical compliance by having like repetition of reminders you mentioned, videos that explain how to do different tasks or like an educational video to explain like the patient's diagnosis. And also you mentioned the direct communication, right? Between patient and doctors. So how are you deciding like what patients in the medical industry you can help first? So in terms of really deciding which specialty that we're aiming to pursue first, 
we really looked at it from multiple perspectives. Um, so one would be kind of looking into what the readmissions has been the highest for, right? So we have discovered that according to the HRP, which is a hospital readmissions reduction program um, done by Medicare, they have actually determined that cardiac issues have the greatest readmission rates, right? So we actually looked at that and said, okay, well, if this has the highest readmission rates, then we could help with that, right? And specifically, we have a team of orthopedic surgeons who also have said that there's a higher complications rate there. So gathering all of these information, right, from advisors, from individual surgeons, and also from HRP, we have come to a conclusion that we're really aiming for orthopedics and cardiac surgery first. And in terms of our patient profile, studies have found that we should be targeting around 20 to 35 for that age range because they're the workers who are constantly out working, taking care of family the, the most, and they're the busiest, according to the research that we have seen. And so they would have a lower rate of compliance. And also for surgery, we know that there's a higher age bracket who actually undergo a lot of these surgeries, right? So by higher age, I mean like 70 plus, right? These are the elderly people who need the surgeries and who sometimes, you know, don't really get the instructions just because it hasn't set in, it hasn't been explained properly, or they just need more time to kind of digest it. And so for these people, we're really aiming to make a digital-friendly experience for, for that age bracket. So in conclusion, the 20 to 35 and 70 plus, essentially. You know, the more y'all talk about this, the more I'm trying to like put my head in the perspective of a patient. And unfortunately, like I haven't really been able to do that much in my life because typical Indian family, like every one of my family's doctors. So <laughs> I didn't have an issue, right? I just call my aunt and uncle, like, you know, my dad would take me to his friend doctor or whatever. So I never got that, like, I'm a stranger walking into a medical office, kind of stressed out, not understanding what's going on. But, you know, you put all of that together with, I'm a busy parent. I have no idea, you know, what this diagnosis means. I've never heard these medical terms. So I can totally see now how after being discharged, patients can feel very helpless. So when you were doing these customer discovery interviews, either from the patient side or from like the doctor side, what were some of the comments and stories you were hearing from, from these patients who felt helpless after being discharged? Yeah. So for some of these patients, there was one patient who told me that she was just so anxious the days before her surgery that she just started Googling tons of information and spent hours just like kind of assembling, making sense of everything. Uh, but that they were just also dispersed and kind of scattered. And it didn't really have everything that she wanted to know about the surgery itself, like the details in terms of like the complications, how they're going to do about it. Etc. And so I think there's a resonating theme among patients that they get anxious before surgery, right? And despite the fact that you can get a nurse out there who, who can tell you, oh, you're going to be fine. Um, I think it's just normal mentality, right? For us to fret, especially for those who haven't undergone surgery. So what stage in the process are y'all at this company? Is the app launched and live and being used? Yeah, the app currently is is launched. We're currently in trialing, in the trialing phase right now. We have our own app development, our own database, our own web app. We're trying to get a mobile app as well. But all of the baseline 
things like the notification part oh. of the app, the uh, tracker part, the task assigner, uh, the doctor's portal, the patient's portal, all of that has been finished and that has all been launched. So we're right now working on version two so that we can come up with a better UI and also more comfortable patient experience. You mentioned Akash, an example earlier, if you know you broke your leg or you hurt yourself and you go in. So let's imagine, you know, I hurt myself. I need to go in and doctor talks to me. We schedule a surgery. And uh, you know, Regina, you mentioned like maybe I can eat certain foods before or whatnot. So like those reminders will come in. Then I go in, I do the surgery, then I get prescribed some pills or painkillers or something for afterwards. That's the pharmacist involved. Then I need to learn more about my diagnosis. So maybe the nurse is involved. So there's definitely different stakeholders. There's like the patient, the doctor, the nurse, the pharmacy. I don't even know if maybe like insurance is involved. Who is putting in the reminders? Who's answering the questions? Who has access to this platform and who's communicating with the patient? The reminders are put in by the nurse, right? So like the doctor is the one who's going to set up the prescription. They're going to diagnose you. They're going to figure out what's wrong. After that, their nurse or whoever is like the office administrator in the, the hospital, they're the ones who are going to be running this program. So on their end, some nurse is going to take the information that they got from the doctor and then be able to assign a task to the patient. And the nice thing is that we have the ability to template tasks. So like if you've assigned a task to a, another patient, maybe before, you can just take the same task and assign it to this patient, you know, change up a couple of things, but you don't have to refill out all of the different fields. Once they've done that, the patient gets reminders on their phone, right? Or on the web app or on the mobile app. And then on top of that, for like the pharmacy and the other hospital stuff, that's internal. So they work with that between each other. That's kind of how the app operates right now. Y'all are working on version two and you started with a team of three. Now I believe you have seven to 10, correct? Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So I think this is a cool like opportunity for me to try to figure out how you guys grew that team. Cause a lot of people that I meet are still with their founding team, but you know, you started with three, you went to seven to 10. So what is that process like of, of hiring new team members? We actually aggregated through a lot of different channels. So friends of friends, right? Lots of groups like Slack and Discord. And we actually even went through the Harvard iLab to kind of recruit people. And so it was a lot of the process of kind of reviewing CVs, resumes, kind of understanding where each person comes from and what they would like to bring to the team, what the team can give them. The biggest thing that we look for in candidates and our future teammates, right, is whether they're willing to learn. That's our biggest ideal in terms of the startup culture. We want people who want to learn and are willing to learn. I think like a lot of companies will be like, oh, we need 20 years of experience for this entry level position or we want to we want to hire a Python 3.6 developer. <laughs> but Python 3.6 has only been around for like two years or something like that. Like it's kind of wild, like how stupid the hiring processes are for other companies. Yeah, that's that's definitely what we've kind of observed within our generation. You know, we have seen so many people just needing to have 15, 20 years of experience, like Akash said, but we want to break that down, right? We want to say, you guys have the passion, you're willing to learn, you're ambitious, then come join us because we're in this fight together. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I've talked to, obviously throughout the weeks, I've been talking to a lot of amazing entrepreneurs and oftentimes we all think like our age or lack of experience might be an obstacle, but then we realize how much of a newly fresh perspective we can bring in. So hiring someone without the 15 to 20 years of experience, like 
might actually be better, right? For people like us. So that makes total sense. I, I, I appreciate that you guys have also noticed that trend. Yeah, we, we typically tend to be the disruptors, right? People who don't have the colored lenses, we tend to have come with new fresh minds and we don't approach it with a conventional standpoint. Yeah, that's what I appreciate. So you developed this team and from what I believe, your team actually spans the UK and the US. So has this international collaboration given you any like unique perspective on how to approach Pack here. We have a team of very diverse cultures and very diverse languages, right? So all of our co-founders are bilingual and, you know, we understand the local culture. We understand how they use technology, especially digital technology, right? And so we have that unique advantage. Spanish, for example, we can target Latin America, India, China, And China and India are going to be the biggest growing markets for surgery. So yeah, definitely. It's very interesting to have so many different perspectives and ability to really weave together the global network. Where are you with funding? Are you guys looking for funds? Have you raised funds? And then revenue, are you guys revenue generating? Right now we have about 5K in funds total because that's what we've needed. We have pretty low operating costs. Like we basically have to just pay for like the server, the website domain. So we didn't really need much money then, but now that we're expanding and we need to expand our database too, we're looking for a lot more money. So definitely a quarter million in like this upcoming year. And raising that is a pretty audacious goal. So it's going to be difficult, but um, we're definitely up for it. And we applied to a lot of different uh, funds and competitions too. So we'll see how that goes. There's a very convoluted aspect to the American healthcare system in terms of reimbursement. So for hospitals, for example, HRP and for private clinics, it's the MIPS program, right? And on top of that, we're, we're really looking towards kind of helping them save the costs from these penalties. I won't go in depth because that's another whole conversation there. But essentially, we're targeting B2B consumers. So hospitals, private clinics, and ambulatory service centers. And We're charging based on the number of patients using our app on different scales and setting price for different brackets, essentially. Y'all filled out the form to join our database. Thank you, by the way. Database going live soon. Very excited. In there, you talked about the importance of advisors. I believe it was your like piece of advice. And I think that's super awesome that that was like one of the first things you thought about, because frankly, like when talking to young entrepreneurs, like I think building an advisory board is like one of the most underrated parts of building a company. And you mentioned that a current advisor now actually is the one that opened your eyes to to this problem or this industry in the first place. So how important have advisors been for you? And and how did you go about making sure you found the right ones? The med student Andrew is on our advisory board right now. And he definitely kind of brought this idea to me. And then I kind of had this synergy. So that's kind of where it all started in terms of advisory. And for the advisor network, like you said, creating an advisory board is definitely one of the biggest things that a startup could do for themselves in terms of orienting themselves in the right direction, right? Because these advisors have the experience, they have the wisdom that we just starting out don't have, right? And many of us are very apprehensive to like approach these people just because they're experts, they know, and we just feel so fearful (laughs) um, because we're so inexperienced. But the biggest piece of advice that we would give is many people are more than happy to help and they want to help. 
And that was one of the straight out of the mouth of one of our advisors. In terms of how we recruited the advisory board, we kind of branched out through the friend networks, right? Searching for a legal advisor, for instance, met through a mutual friend. We did cold outreach via LinkedIn. And I actually didn't expect anybody to, to respond that quickly, but you know, we just had the mutual interests and passions. So it just clicked right there. And through Harvard iLab as well, they actually have a, an advisor mentoring program, which eventually led us to kind of continue that long-term advisory relationship. So shout out to our advisors, Sushma, John, Josh, and uh, Dr. Krausen, because they're amazing, right? They give you the perspectives that you would not otherwise think of right in the moment. And they kind of help you forecast the future in some aspects. I think biggest advice in terms of finding the right advisors, right, is you have to understand whether you guys match on a personality level, how they deliver the advice, what level of involvement are they looking to delve into when they're working with your startup. I want to end with one more question. What are the different ways that our community of listeners help you out? You know, do you have donation pages? Are you looking to hire? Definitely, we'd appreciate if you want to help us out in the company and work for us please let us know. We're definitely hiring. And if you want to invest in us, please also let us know because we're taking money too. Both of those things are definitely the most important. Other than that, if you hear about our company and you've received a similar problem, we'd be really happy to hear it in your patient experience. And we'd love to hear about that so that we can learn more as a company too. So I would say those are like the main three things. So if you're, if you're out there hearing this and that applies to you, please just reach out to us. You can go to our website, pacare.io, packcare.io. There's a form in there that you can reach out to us at, fill it out, and uh, we'll get back to you. And of course, through the database as well, just reach out to us. That would be amazing. I love it. I'm so excited to see how you all grow. We are going to definitely try to figure out how we can recruit interns and and investments for y'all with our new partnerships in the database. So I'm excited to work with y'all from that perspective. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having us. To everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review, whatever. Catch you next week.